Hello there, lollygaggers. Got another week on tap here. Lollygagging sports. I am Bo Reed, as always, joined by Samantha Button and Matthew Irby, my fellow lollygaggers. We're, of course, fresh off of All-Star Week. Uh, if you thought we were done with that, well, you, clearly you're new to the show. So we're going to keep talking a little All-Stars uh, this week, along with some other baseball topics and armchair umpire at the end. But first, Samantha, how are things going? Good, good. Weird day. Weird day. No baseball in the middle of the baseball season. Always weird the day after the All-Star game. So I feel like I should be doing something. Am I supposed to be watching something? Nope, not today. So uh, looking forward to getting to the second half of the season. <laughs> See, this is what happened to me today, you know, because obviously, again, no baseball. I fell into some History Channel rabbit holes. Like I was watching a, a documentary on Teddy Roosevelt, and then I somehow I got into Gettysburg, the movie. I, 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 this was a weird day. I, when I don't have baseball, I watch weird things. I need baseball in my life. You're trying to work your way through all of American history in one day. Why not? That, that could be a two. That could be a two. I mean, how do you think I passed the SATs? Kidding. Kidding. Joking. <laughs> Irby, <laughs> how about you, man? How, how are you doing? I, all is well here. All is well here. It was a no baseball, so it was a very productive day. Um, whether you want to say that's about work or whatever, you know, it was a productive day. I was able to get stuff done. Um, not the stuff I wanted because I would prefer the baseball on, but Hey, you know what? We live in a world where Elias Diaz is an MVP. So who knows? <laughs> you know what? I can actually talk about that because that's not in any of our topics. Why do we have an MVP of the all-star game? And I feel like I asked you guys this last year too. Like I, I've never understood this. The guys don't play a full game. The starters, I was actually surprised how long the starters were in the game last night. Normally, they're out after the first three innings. Like, how, Why do we have an MVP when no player plays the full game? I, I don't know. I, this is not something we need. But I, I think it's part of the, like, well, this is all just goofiness, right? I mean, because, like, who, who always gets MVP the All-Star game? Whoever gets the last hit for the winning team. <laughs> right. Like, like, I just, okay, good. Elias Diaz got his one day in the sun. Good for him. Uh, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, okay. Uh, speaking of moving on, Samantha, you want to kick us off with our uh, yeah. our baseball coverage? All right. So let's let's rewind. We'll, we'll come back to it. To all star game, let's let's rewind a day and go back to the home run derby. Which mostly I'm just here to like sing the praises of the home run derby because it is magnificent. Mm-hmm. It is the only event in professional sports that exists just purely so that everyone can experience joy. It's just a happy, fun thing that everybody loves. It has no meaning. Everybody out there, the people who are involved in it, take it super seriously. They clearly want to win, and they're treating it like a real competition. And everybody else who's on the field, all the other players. And everybody in the audience is treating it like it's a big party. And I think it's fantastic because baseball has managed to produce an entertainment product that has absolutely no loser. It does have a winner, but it doesn't really have a loser. And I just think it's wonderful. I can't believe people are still complaining about this thing. Like, it's great, right? Like, we have the ridiculousness of this. You know, Juan Soto is over there laying in amongst the photographers so that he can get a better angle to help these guys get great photos on their phones of themselves during the derby. Randy Rosarina is stomping around in cowboy boots. You know, like, almost everyone was a really good sport about it. I was not super thrilled with Louis Rivera, who 
never cracked a smile the entire time, looked absolutely freaking miserable the whole time he was out there. Like, kind of, like, blew off Adley Rushman when Adley Rushman was trying to congratulate him. Like, so, I was like, you know, you're not really acting in the spirit of this thing. Like, you know, you watch Baby Vlad and, and Randy out there, like, roasting each other. Mm-hmm. You know, Baby Vlad's mimicking his pose. Everybody's laughing. Everybody's having a good time. You know, you watch Pete when he lost to Julio. You know, you watch him mouth wow to Julio. You know, it's like <laughs> everybody else here is having a good time and being gracious about this. And I, I, I've never had any beef with Louis Rivera, and perhaps I will not going forward. But I, I feel like that maybe he should not be invited to next year's Home Run Derby because I feel that he did not understand the assignment. Everyone else, on the other hand, understood it perfectly. Yeah. And it was fantastic. It's, you know, just, it's the best. You know, so before Vlad won it, you know, I'd like to talk the buzz around the Derby was the 41 that Julio put up. Right, which is cool. That's great. You know, like I, that, that's what the home run derby is all about. You, you want that one guy that's going to get in there and dialed in the getting getting the pitches exactly where he wants them, and he's just going off. Right. That wasn't the coolest thing, though. At least in my opinion. You guys can correct me here and, and tell me if if you think differently. But the home run derby is for home runs. We see them all the time. What you don't always see is a player in the bonus round turn around and bat from the other side. And then, yeah. and then crank seven of eight out. Eight swings, seven home runs, just flipped around to the right side. Adley Rushman was the, did the coolest thing at the Derby, at least in my opinion. Um, no, no disrespect to Julio. 41's a heck of a number, especially at Safe, or not Safeco, at T-Mobile. It used to be Safeco. Especially in that stadium, 41's a hell of a number, but not as cool as just flipping around to the other side and still cranking out bombs. Oh, yeah, I completely agree with you. Like, look, I appreciate what Julio was doing, which is basically sacrificing himself to put on a really good show for the hometown crowd. He's saying, like, look, you know, he knew, I think, by doing that, that he was putting himself out of it effectively, but he didn't care. He just wanted to put on a really good show for the home crowd, and that and that's great, and I love that he did that, and I love Julio, and it was super cool. But I completely agree with you. If we're talking about, you know, we've talked about this in other years when we talked about Pujols or what Julio did before, you know, other like sort of who's made the best losing effort in a home run derby. And what Adley Rushman did was awesome because he was at the back of the pack here, maybe him or Mookie in terms of like who has no real shot to win this. Right. Right. And he did something so cool, which is like flip around to the other side of the plate. His dad's pitching to him. Like I, we've never seen anybody do that. It was awesome. Like, and and he delivered. I mean, it would have been cool even if he didn't because there's a guy who's basically saying, like, I just, like, again, going back to the idea of understanding the assignment, like, they're here to entertain. And Adley Rushman delivered on that better than anybody else. Yeah, yeah, that was that was the coolest thing I've seen in the Derby in quite quite some time. Irby, how about you? What are your thoughts here on the Derby? What do you think? Well, it's exactly that right there. Like, I... I the, the winner, I mean, yes, to enjoy seeing uh, Baby Vlad come out victorious and do the similar poses his dad did, what was it, 16 years ago? Yes, absolutely. Like, that's that's fun to see, and it's great. But it's for me, it's just the, the enjoyment factor. It's the, you know, you guys are going through and how the different players interact with each other and Adley Rushman flipping over and stuff like that. And um, what is it, the fun little uh, <laughs> the, 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 the conspiracy theory that's going around here that um, Chris Young was in uh, Tony Beasley's ear telling uh, – telling him to throw sweeper pitches to Ad- Ad- Adolis Garcia to make sure he didn't move on. You know, it's, but that, it's that. It's like I, 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 t- 
put less and less stock in the winner of it and just a good show, just entertainment. Like, like that is it. This is like, like, like those movies that you go see where you just want to feel like you were a kid again. And that's all I'm looking for is here. Just, just entertain, just, just, just make it fun. You know, I, I don't want to get, don't get to the point of being too ridiculous. Just let it be about the home runs. Mm-hmm. And and it was and, and I you guys both took exactly what I want to bring it like Adley just doing that the, the flip around was absolutely fantastic That's because so cool. why not why, yeah. why not you know hey why not you know and then for a while there it, it, and now right it looked like he'd hit enough and then all of a sudden you know just the the, the floodgates for Mister Robert came in and boom um, cool all right Samantha what else you have all right so. This is sort of one of those like ancillary all-star weekend things that maybe they, they don't do a great job of advertising it, but it is worth seeing if you happen to to catch it at the right time, which is the all-star red carpet. Yes. So I know we have a red carpet at the beginning of the game too, and it's really fun to, you know, judge people based on, you know, how great they are about high-fiving the children and all that. But um, the, the All-Star, they used to make this a parade, and I think somebody finally realized that it was, like, kind of a lame parade because it was, like, 40 people, <laughs> and no one came to it. But now they've just made it into this red carpet event where they treat it more like the beginning of an award show, and all these guys come out in their crazy outfits, and we get to see what they've all picked out to wear. And so I thought it would be fun to discuss some of the more outlandish things that we saw, and I did put some of these on. Oh, I put them on Blue Sky. I'm sorry, you guys. I did not have the energy to post all the pictures on Twitter. Um, but you can find them. They're, they're pretty easy to find. Like MLB Life has them on Instagram uh, if you want to look them up. So, But I thought we should talk about some of the people who were um, perhaps on the more flamboyant side in their choices. Um, so I'm roasting them, and, but I mean this in the, the best way. I say this, this all with love. Um, I love that these guys are willing to put themselves into these ridiculous get-ups. So, you know, Baby Vlad is wearing a suit that looked like, I don't know, the best way I can describe it is that it looked like a mattress that had been eaten by pigeons in an abandoned castle where a murder was committed 80 years ago. Um, Bo Bichette, like, I, that was an interesting <laughs> outfit. Like, I don't really know what to say about that except that you're like, that guy definitely still listens to Sublime. Um, Shohei looked exactly like my husband looks when every six months he has to go to a board meeting at his company. Um, I mean, Ronald Acuna looked like he was going to the Barbie premiere, not the All-Star game, in his pink suit. Um, He did also have a chain with himself on it, which, you know, is not terribly original. You know, Jose Ramirez has has kind of done this already, but it was kind of cool. So you love that with the pink suit, right? Like, you just leave the All-Star game and go right over and check out Barbie? Sure, why not? (laughs) So, you know, I appreciate the creativity that that some of these guys employed. Like, we saw a couple people who just looked like their clothes didn't fit, right? Like, I mean, did you guys see Garrett Cole? Like, I mean, Mm -hmm. like, it looked like... Like, when people have a child, like a, like a large child, you know, like the child is large for their age. We'll just put it that way, you know, and they have to take the child to, like, a wedding. Like, one of their friends is getting married or something. So they try to put the kid in an off-the-rack suit because, like, it's a kid. They're probably not doing tailoring, you know. So, and then the kid just looks, I mean, Garrett Cole, like, I just look like a fat kid. In this. I don't know how else to put it. Like, and you're just like, 
why did you do this to yourself? Like, I know you can afford a tailor, Garrett. <laughs> like, what happened here? There was somebody, I can't even remember who it was, but there was somebody in, like, a velvet jacket that kind of looked like someone's eccentric aunt that lives in someone's attic. Like, there was some weird stuff going on there. And, and I love it. Like, the weirder the better, man. Like, nobody wants to see you out there looking like, you know, you've done a good job of, like, I, I don't know, like, selling some, some real estate or, like, you know, buying some stocks or whatever like we want to see the outrageous stuff right so so it was fun i i enjoy this i enjoy it every year the more ridiculous the better the more i can roast you the more i love you so <laughs> you know um i i took a peek like you know, i'm not as avid a avid a red carpet watcher as, as some people uh but you know i took a peek and then some of those adley rushman was the one that came to my mind that was <laughs> kind of cool what he did but i wanted to ask you about this because this is the first time i'm sure it's happened but this is the first time i've really noticed it it was how creative the players got with their bats yes I'm used, yeah i'm used mm -hmm. to seeing the cleats Right, I'm used mm -hmm. to the cleats. I'm used to you know some special chest guard for the catchers in the game. You know that that's the bats were really cool this year, and oh yeah, I, you know, I, and what I, what I enjoy <laughs> they, they asked Poppy on the broadcast what he would what he would do, and he said I don't know, but it would definitely be red. He <laughs> put him on the spot, so he's not going to be able to answer fully. But like they got really creative with those bats. It, it wasn't just the derby; it was actually the game too. Well, first of all, sidebar, Fox, hi, um, David Ortiz, Alex Rodriguez, and Derek Jeter, like, nobody wants to see this, man, no one wants to see this, like, first of all, when we Thank say, you. like, when we say <laughs> we want to see former players, literally no one means A-Rod, ever, under True. any circumstances, and, like, also, like, it's kind of gross to see the Red Sox and the Yankees sitting there together, like, these people freaking hated each other, like, I'm sure they're past it, and they can all be friends now, and that's great, and all, but, like, nobody wants to see that, and they're boring, they're boring. They don't have anything interesting to say. And I, I love David Ortiz, but like, oh, why? You know, no one wants this. <laughs> like, you know, I, I, the, the funny thing is, like, I thought the concept was good. You know, former players just sitting there watching a ball game. You know, that one, it went too long. It, it shouldn't go as long as that went. Like, like, you know, a batter or two, and then you're done. But better, better players. Like, not, not better players. Well, better yeah, personalities. yes, exactly. More yeah, no, I love the concept. The concept love is great. Concept. It just needs to be tweaked a little bit. Yeah, I I agree. I agree. And we'll we'll get into some of the other problems with Fox in a bit when we talk a little more about the All-Star game. But to, to just quickly respond to your, the bats. Yes, like Julio with the home plates and there's no place like home. That was super cool. Mm -hmm. And like just love those. I, I still love the cleats too, although the best ones we saw were in the Futures game with Marcelo Mayer that had the... The Nike swoosh had dirt from Fenway Park inside the swoosh, which is so cool. So love that too. But yeah, yeah, I just, I anything that allows them all to show some personality like that, I love that. And baseball has wised up about this kind of stuff, and, and I'm, I'm really glad they did because this is great. It's fun. Irby, <laughs> you have any thoughts on this stuff? This the uh, the, the fashion of the All Star Game. Uh, yeah, yeah, I won't go too long because I'm not a fashionable person at all, and. That. And that's okay. Uh, love the uh, the Fenway cleats too. Yes, thank you for bringing it up. Those were absolutely fantastic. Uh, Mookie Betts's shout out to Griffey. Um, his Griffey cleats. Um, and the backwards hat. He started yes. that. Yes. Yeah, that was cool too. Mm -hmm. That was good. Um, yeah, red carpet Guriels. Um, that was a okay. That was that was great. But then um, I love the uh, the Kershaws as well. Uh, you would have thought it was a Sunday Easter service. Uh, the way they all came dressed up. <laughs> oh, like, my gosh. Wow. 
See, I looked at that and I thought of the Taylor Swift lyrics from Speak Now, the her snotty little family all dressed in pastels. <laughs> there you go. There we go. That, <laughs> that works too. Well, and, and, and the Freeman, the Freeman boys were definitely. It was yes. This felt very much of like, yep, this is Easter egg hunting. That's what the kids were all told, and that's how they got dressed up. So, um, but those were those were my big takes. That those are the ones I enjoyed. But I, I, I with y'all, it's you know, this is not my. Uh, area that I, I get the most out of or anything like that, but I'm not a hater. So, you know, if, if people enjoy this and it's a, it shows the personality, I think that's what you said is best, then go for it. I am all for it. If that's what they, if that's what the players want and, and, a, and a faction of, of fans want to see that, I am all for it because, fine, personalities, let the individual personalities come out. So, yeah, great, great job on the cleats. The bats, the red carpets, and I feel like Roger Goodell watched all this and suspended a dozen more NFL players. <laughs> oh, yeah. Somebody 100% got fined. Like, when, when Roger looked at those bats, like, yeah, some NFL player got fined for that, I guarantee it. Are, are right. there, he was probably just doing it at his home, just yelling at the TV, you're a $10,000 fine, and his, you know, the family's got to be sitting there going, Roger, no, you're, you're not talking to anybody. <laughs> You know, not your sport. The, <laughs> this is not even your sport. I'm still suspending him. Okay. The, the real question Matt is... Stafford, Matt Stafford probably gets suspended for Clayton Kershaw's outfit. That's probably Yes, yes. Now, the real question is, is there a crossover in names? Is there an NFL player that has a similar or exactly the same name as a baseball player? Because if there Hunter is... Hunter Renfro? Oh, there you go. Oops. He unfortunately yep. was not there, though. So. <laughs> there's got to be a, a Will Smith, right? There's got to be a Will Smith be in the NFL. Somewhere there's a Will Smith. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah that, that, that poor guy is going to get a fine. And like, what the hell, man? What, what, I, don't even yeah. have, I don't even own a baseball bat. What is this? <laughs> yeah, well, and it's going to be like the corresponding person, too. Like he said, like, Kershaw and, like, Matt Stafford. Like, 100%. Roger's just going to look for, like, the closest approximation for all of these. Who can I find? Who can I suspend? So the no fun league continues. But yeah. Baseball has embraced this, and we love that. <laughs> all right, Samantha, what else you have tonight? All right, so let's just take a moment to step away from the All-Star game um, because oh. we're, we need to have a funeral. Um, <laughs> it's, you know, that time of year when we have to start declaring people dead. Uh, we had a couple already. Um, both was kind enough to take us through the, the royal death codes. Uh, we talked about this, like, you know, when the, when the queen dies, you know, they say London Bridge is down. Um, so, so we went through and, and found some death codes. And unfortunately for someone, it is time once again <laughs> to declare another death of the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, Ooh. Baja, California, United States of America, West Coast. Uh, we, we believe them to be dead. Um, they are probably not going to trade Shohei, and it's probably not going to matter. Everybody else is hurt. The people who aren't hurt can't do anything right. They're comically still in the race, but we believe that to be a name only. So we are declaring the Angels dead. And so I looked through the bridges, uh, since that's how the British do it, and, and we love that. Um, so I looked through the British. <laughs> I looked through the British. I looked through the bridges <laughs> in the Los Angeles area, and I thought it was wildly appropriate um, both to the British and just the general theme of this, that we have a Shakespeare bridge Ooh. in Los Angeles. So I started thinking through what Shakespeare play best <laughs> personifies the angels, or perhaps I should say that the other way, which, which Shakespeare play do the angels best personify? 
And I can't stop thinking about Macbeth and how perfect that is. And I'm saying Macbeth because, like, I'm, I'm sorry, you guys. I know you're supposed to say the Scottish play, but nobody's actually performing a play here. So, um, and they're already dead, guys. Like, I can't jinx them by saying Macbeth instead of the Scottish play because they're already dead. So, anyway, very Macbeth. I thought about King Lear a little bit. There's there's some, some parallels there as well. But ultimately, we're going with the Shakespeare Bridge um, as a, a consolation prize. I also noticed that there was a Colorado Street Bridge. So, you know, if they finish at 500, maybe there's a crossover project there a little bit maybe. with the Rockies. Um, so something to think about. But, yes, you know, ding dong, the angels are dead. Um, <laughs> Shakespeare Bridge, very Macbeth. Um, I, I will not drag you all through it because I, I don't know that anybody wants to hear all of my literary illusions, um, drawing comparisons between Macbeth and the angels. Um, although Artie Moreno would really have made like a hell of a lady Macbeth. I'll oh, yeah. throw that out there. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> kind of perfect. So. It, was, it, it, it was crazy. Like listening to the, to the broadcast last <laughs> night. How they were all trying to will the Angels in the playoffs just because, you know, baseball would really benefit from having a Tani and Trout in the playoffs. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Batting next to each other. Like, like, yeah, we all agree that would be good for baseball. They were trying to will it into existence, and even they couldn't come up with ways that they could make the playoffs. So I think this is appropriate. <laughs> Oh, the three, the, the, well, that's the, the three witches, right? Bubble, bubble, toil, and trouble. Uh, three witches trying to cook something up in a cauldron uh, to, to help the angels into the playoffs, and it's going to work out about as well for them as it did for uh, for good old Macbeth. <laughs> I, I don't know, man. I, I think even witchcraft is looking at the angels roster and going, yeah, there's nothing we can do. Like this is... Well, that's my whole point. It didn't work for Macbeth yeah. either. Yeah, like this is, this is not even... This is, I, yeah, and Bo, to your point, yeah, baseball should be wanting to do is get those guys in the postseason, and that is why I, you know, Roger, you need to use your power for some good and block any re-signing that Otani possibly could get from the Angels and just get him out of there. Get him out of there. Or we could just contract the Angels. No? Too far? Okay. No, that's that's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Although now you know, damn it! Now I've got to. I actually have to go and watch Sword in the Stone again because you guys had me thinking about the the Merlin versus um, the other the sorceress in Sword in the Stone. That battle, you've got me thinking about that right now, and I'm gonna have to. Well, now you got you got into Arthurian legend from Macbeth, <laughs> which is actually not really wrong from like a literary family tree way. Um, you just took a really interesting path to get there. Um, <laughs> oh, this is why I'm seeing Merlin. Uh, <laughs> all right. Irby, you're up. What do you have? What do you have for us this week? Well, I mean, yeah, follow that up. It's, uh, <laughs> so before diving in anything of the, the, the weekend, um, the, wanted to do a quick touch on of, um, another one of my uh, young players that has been enjoyable to watch. And this one is a strange one just because of, you know, sometimes peripherals. We, we talk about that when we look at the peripheral numbers and like, yeah, that kind of makes it seem like things aren't as, as good as they might seem. Um, yeah, and one, and this is, this is Bryce Elder is the one that I'm looking at. And it, Bryce Elder, it, you know, he has not needed, you know, this is not the, the, the Braves from a couple years ago where they needed 
um, young talent to step up and be aces. And he's not having to step up and be an ace. But um, Bryce Elder, his numbers are not great. Like, like it's weird. <laughs> his, his peripheral numbers, like when you look at his percentiles and you look at him compared to so much of his competition around him, it's not great. But you know what he is doing? He's churning out quality starts, and he's putting the Braves in positions to get wins. And with the offense that they have there, with the bullpen they have there, that's the whole formula that he needs. Now, again, he hit a um, heck of a speed bump to uh, <laughs> to end the first season, or first half, sorry, it's not first season, the first half of the season, uh, not even getting out of the fourth inning and giving up seven runs to the race. Other than that, he has been quite great this whole season for Atlanta, and it's one where, I mean, when you look at fastball and when you look at movement and, and, and you look at the contact that's being made on the pitches that he's throwing, it's not good. Like, like, like there's, there, the, the ball is jumping off the bat with him. But, <laughs> I, I defense at Atlanta, I don't know. It, it's Bryce, the one thing that he is doing well, and it's the whole reason this is all working he is pitching fantastic when there are runners on base. So Bryce is definitely one of those that the season has not been perfect, but he's finding ways to win. He's finding ways to get out of trouble. It's going to cost you every once in a while, as we saw at that last start. But this is exactly what a Braves team needs to be successful right here, is a young pitcher like this who does put himself in his own trouble sometimes, but gets he knows how to get himself out. He knows how to limit damage giving up single run innings, not crooked run innings. And that right there really is, with all these numbers that don't look fantastic, that is the one that we don't quantify here, but it's a huge thing in the clubhouse. It's a huge thing in that dugout, and it's a big reason why Bryce Elder, though they're not pretty, is still having success this season. Well, I mean, it's good that he's got a good defense because he's given he's up 93 hits in 106 innings. Uh, whip of 1.19. I mean, Samantha, he's too young for me to, to really use numbers for this. So I, I, we have to go, I, I guess, with what everybody's talking about was pitching quality starts and getting out of trouble. I mean, he only made six. He was in six games last year. Right? No, excuse me, nine games. He pitched nine games. started nine games last year. Ten total. And the numbers are better this year than they were in that small sample last year. But I don't. there's not, there's not enough track record here. So... Is that enough that he that he's that he's turning out the quality start, which we really need to revisit what a quality start is in this game, but that's another conversation for another time. He's still turning them out, getting out of trouble, and the Braves will win it. Yeah, which is ultimately like to me, I don't know. I'm not as like enamored of like just complete shutdown pitching, mostly because it doesn't make for very interesting baseball. So I'm particularly interested in guys who know how to win games. Um, which is where he comes in for me. And I did not see his start against the Rays, the, the bad one that closed out the first half, but I did actually happen to see his two starts prior to that. And, yeah, I mean, I know the numbers are not wonderful. Um, he's allowing a lot of hard contact, and, and the projectables don't look great. But, like, I got to tell you guys, like, the eye test looks real good. Like, real good. Mm. And, and some of that comes back to already what you were saying about being able to pitch with runners on and, and kind of not losing your head when you're very young. You know, like, this stuff is good. I, I'm hoping the command will get a little better. Um, but the important part is, is that he is contributing to a winning effort in Atlanta, and not everybody needs to be 
a an ace. You know, like it's not yeah. necessary. Um, so I, that's a, a big piece of this for me. It's like maybe this guy, like maybe we should just look at him and say, hey, this guy's doing his job. He's doing his job. And maybe that's what matters. Well, and that's huge right there. Exactly what you said. It's getting the job done. And, and I think that is exactly right of what, you know, he's not, this is not a situation where the Braves need him to be the guy. It's just, we need you to go out there. We need you to go at least five innings, hopefully six innings, and put us in a position to win. Because with the pop that that Braves offense has, it's basically just keep us in the game and we're going to be fine. And, Brian, and he's doing that. And that's what, you know, it's, it's he's, numbers like this, doing stuff like this, this is never going to be one of those guys we talk about, oh, he's a Hall of Famer and, you know, multiple All-Stars and all these things. But, hey, it's the kind of guy you want in your clubhouse and, and, and you feel good. When he takes the mound of, all right, let's get a couple on the board, and Bryce is going to keep us in a position where we can win this game. All right, what else do you have for us today, Irby? Well, then, uh, so my second one, you know, it kind of goes with the All-Star Weekend, a, a, a well-done job, a, a seaworthy job, as we kept seeing everything of the show that Seattle put on. So mm-hmm. kind of wanted to talk about them real quick, the Mariners, and, and, and what they're doing and, and the fact that they now, as of a few minutes ago, it's a three-horse race out there in the West. Um, you know, they're only a game ahead of those Angels, but the Angels are dead now. So now you're that team. Um, and Seattle has seen a little bit of a turnaround lately. And it's, and it's partially, you know, we, the injuries to the Angels is the reason why they are where they're at. Mm-hmm. But it's also with what Seattle's doing. Seattle is finding ways to win. Seattle is winning um, you know, they, they, they're winning outside of one-run games. Hey, you know, finally, Seattle, you need to stop, stop boasting that wonderful one-run record. It's not what you need. And they're winning multi-run games. And they, they um, you know, the highlight of that was a, a fantastic job of ending the first half of the season where they, you know, a, a series win against the Rays, a series win in San Francisco, but then that series down in Houston. Um, and, and that had very... You know, I mean, it's a four-game series. They win three. That right there, and it's it's those wonderful things that we talk about some of these teams that you don't have to put too much into how the first half of the season ends. But this Mariners team, passing the Angels, moving to within six of the league, moving to within four of Houston, you know, keeping they held Houston to six runs in that four-game series in Houston. It was a fantastic job done by the Rays. I mean, the the race, sorry, the Mariners, the M's, not the race, the M's, a fantastic job done by the M's. And I don't want to get to the point where I'm saying I'm a believer in these guys, but this is a Seattle team that, boy, come out of the gate well in the second half of the team, the second half of the season, and we've got a legit three-horse race out there in the West. Well, I mean, look, there's no question they closed the first half strong. But I've got some red flags here, Samantha, on the Mariners, and it's the same red flags I've had all year long. They can pitch. We know they can pitch. Their their streak, their, their, their little hot stretch here is because they were able to hit. Now, I don't know that that is sustainable. I think it was just a hot couple of weeks. You get a hot couple weeks out of the order. You go on a tear like the Mariners just did if you have their pitching. They should have swept Houston. 
they would have swept Houston had their offense been able to score with the bases juiced, and I think one out, if not no outs, in the inning. They couldn't get the run across. They might have won that game and swept Houston. So I'm not sure yet. Now, they, they come out in the second half, and, and they're still hitting the way, the way they did going into the break. Then maybe we can have this conversation. But, I mean, we've, I've, seen this, I've seen this movie. An offense struggles all year long. They have a, they have a hot couple of weeks, and they cool off. Yeah, I have to agree with you. I'm actually more interested in comparing them to the Angels than I am comparing them to the Astros or the Rangers. Um, I don't really think they are in the race for the West. I don't actually believe that. I, I don't think they've got it. Um, but they're also not dead. I, to me, the, the comp here is the Mariners and the Angels hanging around the back end of the wild card race. The Angels are cooked. Pick a fork in them. They're done. They're Macbeth. Um, you know, we've, we've been over this. But I, the Mariners are still kicking. You know, and I just think that they are an infinitely better team. They've shown they're capable of turning it around. They've also obviously not had the catastrophic injury luck that the Angels have had, but that is really just the tip of the iceberg um, for the, the Angels' problems. And, and, look, it's hard to be optimistic about Seattle when they're not hitting, and you know that Jerry is going to do something stupid at the deadline, and they don't really have much of a chance because they have two juggernauts in their division and a lot of competition coming out of the East for the all or the All-Star game. The wild card. We're having a rough time here, um, but I. But they're not out of it. Like we're not. We're not even close to declaring the Mariners dead. They had a very promising end to the first half. So it's a wait and see. It's a wait and see. So which is I think is kind of all you can ask for. They seem pretty energized. Certainly hosting the All Star Game has absolutely no bearing on the home team's performance in the second half. But you can feel the energy there in terms of the way that that town is feeling about that baseball team right now. And I think that's a good indicator that, like, okay, you know, we're not super optimistic about where this team's going and how they're going to finish, but they are a long way from dead. <laughs> you watch. Uh, Jerry's going to trade, like, their, 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 one of their top, <laughs> Kellenick. Going to trade him to the Astros, and and explain to us in the in the in the in the presser how it's going to make sense when he makes other moves that he then doesn't make. That's well, what still Kendall Graveman is like three teams away from that now, and I, it still doesn't make sense. So <laughs> <laughs> it'll make sense later. Okay, Jerry, whatever you say, because like oh, boy. Kendall Graveman's on the White Sox now, and, and we never actually got an explanation for that. But sure, okay. <laughs> All right, Irby. Anything else you want to add to that? <laughs> no, no. That's another one. Of still, what? When is this going to make sense? And maybe one day. Maybe one day. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What else do you have? So the last bit is uh, just the you know the fun that I always get into as well. And we talked a little bit about this, the draft, um, and I, just some quick nuggets. Uh, nothing major. Just some fun little things here. And I just want to get y'all's uh, opinion. So I'm going to rapid fire these, and y'all enjoy. Um, the, the, the fun nuggets here that came from the draft. Uh, low, not not big, bad low shout-out to the Kansas City Royals taking uh, Blake Mitchell, a prep catcher with the eighth pick. Seriously, guys? Seriously? No, there were better catchers available, but you know what? Whatever. Uh, Angels, the dead Angels. Hey, great job. Everybody in the first round takes pitchers, shortstops, center fielders, and catchers. The Angels take a power-hitting first baseman. That makes sense. Uh, Toronto Blue Jays grabbing the first Indian, Arjun Namala, in the first round. Kid parents were both born in India. This kid's a legit shortstop prospect. Excited to see what he can do. Uh, Travis Sakura, uh, 
Washington takes him in the third round. Kid, 6'6". He has a 101-mile-an-hour fastball and a plus-plus splitter. Uh, not as though Washington needs to get him up quickly. Uh, Bo, one that you're absolutely going to love this. Mm. Uh, the, the Seattle Mariners, here we go, third round, took Teddy McGraw. Teddy, his fastball is 95, and he has a plus-plus sweeper and a change. On the downside, Teddy had Tommy John surgery in 2019, and he missed all of this year with elbow issues. Yikes. <laughs> so, I, but, I, 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 so they draft a kid that's pretty well damn assured of having a second Tommy John before even before he even gets into the minor leagues. Boy, that is so Seattle. That is. That is. <laughs> that, that, um, I, you know, the, the Guardians, Samantha, big shout-out for your Guardians. The college version of Louisa Rice uh, loved the uh, fourth-round draft pick of Alex Mooney. Mooney, a shortstop out of Duke. Great contact over power, above-average speed and arm. Uh, you know, this is something that I'm curious to see how he's developed. He's never going to hit more than 10 home runs in the majors, but that's okay because if you're hitting, <laughs> hitting the ball into play. And then my favorite one, uh, the best name of the draft. This is a draft that showed us names like Rock, Roach, Storm. Um, wonderful names, but in the 15th round, the Boston Red Sox took high schooler Phoenix Call. Phoenix call. You know, the, the one thing I, I, my takeaway from this, Smith, I'm, I'm going to hone in on Toronto here because they keep drafting these hitters. Maybe draft a pitcher? You need pitching, Toronto. You've got a great offense. You need pitching. Even, even if this pitcher is not going to be there for four or five years, how about you focus on pitching? Get some get some pitching in your minor leagues. I mean, what is this? See, I actually disagree with that because, like, I think the way I look at it is, like, they can't develop pitching. So you're smart to lean into the things that you are good at developing, and then you trade those things because you oh. have a surplus of them to get pitching that was developed by someone else. <laughs> so, would it be easier to be able to develop pitching, just get somebody in that knows what they're doing? Well, yeah. I mean, okay, <laughs> yes. Like, the, the bottom, the, the easy answer to this, aside from this particular draft, is, like, maybe you should learn how to develop pitching. Yes. Um, we That's a thing that we would like to yell at a lot of teams. Um, it's actually not that hard to find people who are good at it. So it's a mystery to me why this does not happen. But, like, I'm kind of okay with leaning into your strengths and staying away from your own businesses in the drafts because, like, ultimately, if you build up a surplus of something that you're good at, there will be a trade partner for you down the road. Um, <laughs> also, like, weird names, maybe not so weird names. Uh, PSA, please stop naming your children Bryce. Why are they all named Bryce? Stop this. Because we had, like, 50 different Bryces with different spellings, by the way, different spellings, and every one of them has, like, a generic white guy last name. So, like, how am I supposed to differentiate all of these people? Like, stop this. Well, like, I, it's like a pack of Will Smiths. It's <laughs> now they're all going to be Bryce. Bryce Smith. Bryce Jones. Bryce Martin. Like, whatever the most generic. Oh, stop it. So, yeah. Two, two of them? Two of them were self-proclaimed two-way players that when they were drafted were not announced as two-way players. Oh, that's fun. That's fun. So, um, so you um, think you can hit from both sides of the plate, huh? Okay. Um, 
<laughs> well, I mean, you mean pitch or hitter, right? Yeah. Two-way player? Two-way yeah, yeah, no, not two-way hitter, yeah. yeah two-way. Not switch hitters, yeah. but yeah, like there's probably a lot of switch hitters, but yeah, two-way players, which <laughs> is that what you think, do you? Um, okay, little buddy. Um, yeah, Rock, that was great. Guy named Rock, that's that's awesome. R-O-S, Rock with an H. Um, if that's even how that's pronounced. Um, not a great draft for my guardians. Uh, most of the stuff we wanted was well off the board by the time we were picking, so a bit disappointing there. Not super thrilled with what they did, but we also trust them uh, very much to make good choices. And I figure, you know, uh, good old Ralphie, um, you know, this is probably going to be another Mejia situation where, like, yeah, yeah, sure, he's a catcher, right, right, he's a catcher until about six months after they trade him to the Padres for a King's ransom and then damn he's a first baseman. Um so, you know, this is the Guardians up to their their usual tricks and and Arjun, I want to talk about this because that was so cool. That is so cool. I love that. I was actually super bummed that he wasn't still on the board because I was kinda hoping the Guardians would take him but uh, really cool for Arjun. First Indian player. Awesome. And he looks like he is gonna be really good. So I'm stoked for that. I think that's very cool. <laughs> Well, and he's not alone. He's got a brother that's going to be there next year. Just yeah. as good. Yeah. So, and and before anyone asks, yes, both boys grew up playing cricket. Cricket. So, mm-hmm. great job taking the cricket mm-hmm. to baseball. Man, they're going to love how fast our game times are. Being cricket players. Really? Nobody? Okay. I thought that was No, I got gotcha. you. Yeah, you got crickets for that. There you go. Sorry. <laughs> Also, quick PSA, Shoei Itani is, we're not even talking about once-generation talent. He's a once-in-a-century talent. Don't think you can do what he can. Moving on. Anything else on this on the draft before we uh, before we get back into the All-Star game? Anybody? I, well, the last one I'll give you is, is the uh, y'all's favorite pitcher during the uh, end of the baseball college baseball season, Mr. Quinn Matthews, Mr. 156 pitches in the Super Regional. Oh, Lord. Uh, yeah, he fell all the way to the third round. So hopefully his arm stays intact, um, better than Teddy McGraw's. But yeah, he dropped. He dropped pretty significantly because of that. If that kid, if that kid even picks up a baseball before next spring training, whoever drafted him needs to be fired. That's just that's. Just I mean, you can make an argument that anyone who pitched in the College World Series should be shut down till falling. Also true. Yes. <laughs> Awesome. Hey, and the Pirates have already announced that. It was the, the number one overall pick. Mm-hmm. He yeah. averaged 120 pitches a start this season. Yeah. And they basically made the point of going, great job. We're so excited about you starting up the season next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Anything else there, Irby? No, no, I'm good. You're good? Okay. All right. Well, let's go back into the All-Star game. Let's talk about the game itself. You know, we talked about the derby and the fashion and the bats and all this. How about the game itself? If you like pitching duels, even though there was a shit ton of pitchers in this game, you got what you're looking for. A lot, a lot of power on the mound, Samantha. Not a lot of offense from either side. And of course, this was a 3-2 final. Um what do you think? Is is was it the because there's two different types of of, of low scoring affairs? It's the it's the one where hey you know both pitchers are going at it. It's a battle, and then there's the snooze fest. Which what did we get last night? Hundred percent snooze fest. Yeah. I, this will not go down in the annals 
of All-Star Games as anything great. It was just boring. Like, it was low scoring, but not because it was exceptionally good pitching. It was just very competent pitching. We'll always beat very competent hitting, so that's what we got. Mm-hmm. Um, but would you permit me a small rant on your topic? Oh, absolutely. Um, this has nothing to do with pitching. And everything to do with the miscarriage of journalism that we saw on Tuesday night at the All-Star Game, where we had, once again, a very well-organized and and very well-executed protest uh, about the Oakland A's being moved, and Fox decided to cut to an interview with Shohei Atani at the top of the fifth, right when this was happening. That is not a coincidence. Uh, They also killed their mics to the crowd. Um, I find this really disappointing. Um, I will say, as somebody who has... Quite a bit of experience um, in live <laughs> television sports broadcast. Mm-hmm. Everything that I was hearing Oakland fans and supporters of Oakland fans say, like, yeah, guys, I mean, I, I'll give you some industry, you know, insider stuff here. Everything you guys think was happening was happening. You were 100% right. It's not paranoia. They can and they did. So... I get that Rob Manfred doesn't want this at his all-star game, but he's got a problem because baseball fans are the most stubborn and Mm -hmm. petty and determined people on earth. And because everyone's on the same side here, it's just like the Astros things, right? Those people booed everybody who was in any way connected to the Astros and it's never going to stop. He's not going to be able to stop it. And it's going to be the same thing with this. So I, I guess my issue with this is not so much that Manfred tried to kill it because I think that is to be expected. Um, It's that Fox caved into that. That's bad journalism. You are misrepresenting what is happening at the event. And you're misrepresenting it in the stupidest way possible because there's, like, reams of internet video. People were saying it came through perfectly on the radio broadcast. So, like, you can't hide it. Like, it's not like you're hiding it at your top-secret government facility where no one will find out about it. Like, you know, there was, like, 40,000 people there who all had phones. So... It's not a secret, and it makes you look like even more of a jack wagon to do it. And Fox, it makes you look like you're, you're engaging in dishonest journalism, which I think is incredibly embarrassing and definitely damaged a lot of people's enjoyment of this and speaks to a lack of trust in their broadcast team in terms of whether or not they are presenting to us what we are actually seeing versus what Rob Manfred would like us to see. All right, I'm done now. I'm sorry for hijacking your topic. I'm, I'm angry about this. Um, no, also, no. as somebody who did this for a living, I find it, like, appalling from, like, a moral standpoint. <laughs> you know, uh, th- it's good. It's good. I, it's been a long time since I was able to hand out a Mike Gundy. Come after me. I'm a man. I'm 40. Yes. Well yes. done. Well done. Oh, see, so it makes it all worth it. It's all worth it if you get the Mike Gundy treatment. Fantastic. <laughs> But I absolutely agree with you. I, you know, th- this is, I mean, look, baseball, just like any any other sports, it's a private entity. You can censor all at once, too. Um, and that's a- exactly what they did. Uh, I do find it interesting that, that, the, that the A's relocation's back in the news since Hanford was confronted by a, uh, <laughs> uh, yep. was it the mayor of Oakland? Or, or just one of the, mm-hmm. the mayor of Oakland? Yeah. Oh, no, no, we did give... The team a stadium proposal. Here it is. You can hold on to it, right? Mm-hmm. With thirty-one extra copies made for all of the other owners. Yeah. Whoops, Rob. Whoops. Yeah. Whoops. So, I don't know. They're, 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 <laughs> with each passing day, baseball gets more egg on their face as all this stuff comes out. But I absolutely agree with you one hundred percent. That and can I also just 
You know, Fox, maybe don't mic up the pitcher while they're pitching. Yes. Oh, no, this is so bad. Please stop doing this. Yes. I mean, like, I, Nestor Cortez was wonderful when he did this, and now they've got an idea that everyone can do this, and it's, it's horrible. It's yeah, bad not, television. Not everyone can. Not everyone can. No. You know? Especially while they're pitching. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 don't, I, I don't know. I really just I don't need to hear the grunt on the follow-through from the pitcher to enjoy my broadcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Irby, uh, how about you? Any insights on the game you want to share? I, well, first of all, as a seven-time Mike Gundy Award winner, uh, well done, Samantha. <laughs> Thank you for that. Uh, that was a good. That was a good trophy. It was a good win, and it was. And, and more importantly, that was a great point because it was uh, embarrassing. I didn't get to see this live. I was reading about it later and hearing from you guys. And yes, that is uh, when you censor when when broadcast censor what's really happening. That's a bad sign. It has nothing to do with sports. Yeah, that is just a bad sign. So be better. Be better. But. Um, from the game, yeah, I you know the unfortunate thing with, with baseball, the way baseball is played, it's very difficult um, to have tons and tons of you know excitement as it, when compared to the other sports. Is all star games, you know, it is the this is why we kind of talked about like the home run derby is the most exciting and the most fun and um, the mic up. Oh man, uh, thank you. Please, please no more on the pitch. Like this is they're, they're not going to be talking to you while in the middle of their follow through. Like stick with the Stick with it. Unfortunately, like you said, Nestor Cortez does a great job. It's not anything. Everybody can do that. It's the same with, you know, former players on broadcasts are great. No, not necessarily. Really does matter. Uh, mics on players, you know, I'm okay with. Just not the pitchers. I love it in the outfield. Um, there's been some fantastic ones in the outfield where they're in the middle of talking, and then you get that <laughs> as they're rushing after a ball that's going into a gap. <laughs> that happened to Corbin Carroll. As somebody... Time. As somebody as many times has seen a ball that you suddenly realize, nope, not going to get there. That is a, a 100% love that of like, yep, crap, not getting to that. So, um, you know, it's, hey, I, I love that baseball can showcase the, the best players um, and that we get the multiple. And I, and I love that it is no longer, you know, I don't want to say it doesn't matter, but it doesn't, they're not playing for home field in the, the World Series and things like that. You know, it is just a, showcase of talent and so it's nice to have and it's also nice to see everybody else at home get a four-day break because there's quite a few players our teams included that needed that little four-day break <laughs> uh, all right okay so uh moving on to our, our next topic uh i think we need to talk about tampa here guys because the the early season darling has Kind of turned into a pumpkin here. Uh, they're three and seven in their last ten. They broke their long losing streak right before the break, the last game before the break. Uh, before that, they lost I think seven straight. Uh, here, here's the kicker: uh, Baltimore is now within two games, and the only reason why they're not tied, Tampa Bay has played and won four more games than Baltimore has played. They are tied in the loss column at 35 losses each. So the question is, was that just a, man, that first half was a beast. We're a little tired. We're, a little, we're struggling going into the gate because we're exhausted. Or do the Rays have a real problem, Samantha? What do you think? I think it's somewhere down the middle. Um, I, I think they are 
not as good as they appeared to be at the beginning of the season, which, like, come on, guys, like, we talked about this at the beginning of the year. Every time somebody comes out of the gate like this, everybody freaks out. It's like, historically good. And you're like, eh, no, you got to play under 62 of these. Calm down. Uh, they're going to cool off, as they always do. Uh, they just have cooled off a lot more than some other teams that we've seen come out super hot like that. So, to me, it's, yeah, I think this was entirely expected. I don't think they're anywhere near as good of a team as they appeared to be at the beginning of the season. I also don't know that I have, like, alarm bells going off. Um, but then again, I'm not sure I ever really expected them to win this division. So um, I think they're a playoff team, for sure. Like, I don't think they're going to have some kind of catastrophic collapse or anything like that. Yeah, they, they definitely had a rough go coming into the break. But I think they're going to be fine. They're absolutely a playoff team. But are they going to win that division? I don't know. You know, I mean, like, clearly New York doesn't want it. And Toronto can't figure out how to get it. And Boston is too far away. But Baltimore, you know, as you pointed out, Bo, you know, it's just a matter of, like, basically what part of the country you play in and the, the fact that there, there's the one bonus to the, the trop maybe, right? Like you don't have the rainouts. Yeah. Like you might in Camden Yards. Well, I don't, so, I don't know that you could definitely see that roof leaking. Can you, I mean, I could, I, I would be shocked if that roof didn't leak to be honest <laughs> with you. <laughs> like that would be weirder to me. Um, so that, that's a fair point. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know that I'm all that sold on Baltimore either, but like, it, the East rates could get like really interesting, which which I think is awesome because then we would have a true pennant race at least for a little while in all three American League divisions. I love that. Yeah, cool. Well, that that would be fun. That that would be a lot of fun. I am curious what the Yankees do in the next few weeks. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. are, 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 are they going to try to put lipstick on that pig? Uh, yes, Tor- Toronto. Yes, they will. <laughs> Toronto. I don't know what you do. Like, like <laughs> that's on the players been, to figure out. Do you want to be in the playoffs yeah. or not, guys? Um, Baltimore. I, I, you know what? They made moves last year, didn't they? So, mm-hmm. why be not? interesting. Yeah, yeah. That, mm-hmm. yeah. that could get interesting. Irby, what are you, what are you thinking about the Rays here? Is it time to panic? No, not time to panic. Um, one, this still is like you said. This is a very. This is a good baseball team. Were they historically good, very good, amazing? No, no, that's what we're finding out, and that's this happens to everybody. I, 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 I don't know. I, I, I laugh sometimes whenever every team goes through these. It's like we've lost four straight. Yeah, it's not going to be the last time it happens this year. Like everybody goes through these, and you know, and it takes these breaks, and it takes you know a series at Kansas City and things like that. Fortunately for Tampa, they got both of those. You know, start off in Kansas City. It takes those series to kind of rewrite yourself and get back to winning ways and figuring out who you are. And, and the other side to it, and you guys said it so well, it's like this division, you know, it's this was always going to come back a little bit because of who you're playing. And um, Oh, I know you and me have talked about this many times before, that we love those four-game series. Um, it just feels like it's, own, it's like its own little marathon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and Tampa and Baltimore have two sets of those about the rest of the season. So that'll be some fantastic baseball um, head-to-head. But like y'all said, it's as much as that happening, there are three other teams, and it's probably just Toronto and New York, but Austin isn't that far out that what's going to happen. And very excited that I I, I hope that the the bottom of the the barrel here, Boston, even though they are five games above 500, keeps winning and – I am all for a trade deadline where we see all five of these teams reacting to each other and everybody's buying. Boston's also only two out of the wild card, but uh, yeah. Uh, it's, it's amazing to me on this four-game series 
how long they are. Because like a three-game series, you blink and it's over. A four-game series, it's only one more game, but it feels like it lasts two weeks. I've never understood that, but... <laughs> but No, but you're right. And it's like I, the gap between being able to win two games but yet also be able to sweep three games doesn't feel very big. But, like, it's really hard to sweep a four-game series, even if you are way better than the team that you're playing. Yeah. Right? Like, somehow the jump from, like, you can say, oh, it's just as easy to sweep a three-game series as a two-game series for a lot of the better teams if they're playing a weaker opponent. But that fourth one is rough, man. You almost always drop one. It's interesting. Yeah. I mean, every team has at least that one starter that can go six, seven innings. Right? They have that one. And if the stars align, they're going to win that game. Yeah, or somebody's bullpen has a meltdown. Yeah. You know, like yeah. once. That's all it takes. Like, <laughs> be careful. You're gonna, you're, be careful. You're going to trigger me and Herbie. Uh, don't mention bullpen meltdowns. Um, excuse me? <laughs> oh, you're going to trigger Excuse me? You're also going to no. trigger yourself. We're all, we're all there. Yeah, we're definitely all there. It's <laughs> <laughs> fair. Oh, boy. All right, moving on. Uh, one last topic before we get to Archer Empire. Let's finish. Let's finish this off fun, right? Ellie De La Cruz. My God, is he fun to watch? The most electric baseball player I've seen in quite some time. I'm trying. I, I, I was actually thinking about this today. I don't know. At least not in recent memory of, of one that that came in, came onto the scene and exploded this quickly into into stardom. But it's how he plays. He's just fun. You know, ha- having his bat checked, you know, they take the, the stat cast tracker off the knob. He hits a home run uh, in his next at bat, then asks him to check the bat again, right? He steals second, third, and home on three consecutive plays. Like, like it, That's the kind of baseball that I love. It, it's, it's not station to station. It's not waiting on the home run. It's get on, get over, get in. Electricity. Oh, and by the way, he can also hit a ball about 800 feet. Like, he's just, Samantha, he's just fun. And it's weird to say, but the game needed that. It needed that. It needed a, a, an infusion of, a, 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 of fun, and De La Cruz is providing it. Well, okay, let's start with the bat tracker, because this is the funniest thing that's happened in connection to any of this, because, like, of course, the Nationals don't know what, can't recognize the baseball tech and think that, like, somebody is trying to pull a fast one on him because they don't know what a bat tracker looks like. (laughs) I mean, this is the best part of the whole thing. You're like, of course, like, you know, Davey Martinez is really leaning into this, like, I am a crabby old man thing, which I actually think is kind of great, but, like, I mean, isn't it kind of perfect that the na- it's, it would be the Nationals that are like, I think you're up to something. And they're like, dude, listen, bro, that's a backtracker. Did you not know what this is? <laughs> Hilarious. Um, so, yeah, for the most part, like, I'm I'm super into this. I think this is great. I think it's so fun, like, watching this guy steal every base. He stole every base. That's so cool. I mean, I'm a little bit, I, I always feel a little reticent about people who are really, really cocky coming in. Mm-hmm. Like, you better be careful with that. Like, I don't know that you want to turn into Fernando Tatis, you know, who, like, <laughs> actually looks like a little bit of a jerk and, and who is fun in some ways, but I, I'm not, you know, really on board with the whole dancing around to people booing you because you got caught cheating and you actually, you did it. Um, so, um, and, and obviously, I don't think De La Cruz is cheating. No one thinks that except for Davey Martinez of the Nationals. But um, I, I think you have to be a little bit 
careful with that kind of showmanship um, when you are like brand new to the league. But the way that he plays is just outstanding. Like you mentioned that, like this guy can like clobber it, you know, he can hit the 500 foot home run and he can also steal every stinking base in the same at bat, which is awesome. It's only been done once before ever, ever with the same batter at the plate. It has only happened one other time, which is just super cool and like so fine and absolutely just just love that just love that and i love this for the reds because what have the reds had to be happy about in like a billion years nothing like this is awesome also did you know ellie de la cruz has a twin who's like a foot shorter than him which is hilarious and awesome and i love that and i want to see the stepbrothers photos of this i think this is amazing so anyway (laughs) I am, you know, I want to be a little bit cautious about, like, I do think you have to kind of be respectful and um, put your time in a bit. But mostly what I think he's doing is just showing a ton of really fun personality and electric play on the field. And it's awesome. It's awesome. Baseball needs this. This guy's going to give it. And and it is a travesty that he was not at the All-Star game. I just want to point that out. Oh, I know there was no way to do that because he hadn't been there long enough. But, like, figure it out. Maybe we'll yeah. just stick him out there. Who cares? No one would complain about that. No one would complain. <laughs> well, as long as he's healthy, I think this is the last Oscar game without him for quite some time. Also true. Good point. <laughs> so I, I, I can wait a year, you know? <laughs> Fair. That's that's true. Yeah. I, I fully expect to see Ellie out there. <laughs> Voted in as a starter. One of the few people who will deserve to be voted in as a starter. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, boy. Irby, how about you? What are your thoughts on Mr. Cruz? Oh, he's fantastic to watch and, and absolutely horrifying as a former catcher to watch how he stole home plate, home plate, home plate, <laughs> home plate on that. I actually started to text like you when the, that happened. Oh, <laughs> golly. I mean, that was just a comedy. Of, of course, it's the Brewers, right? Like, of course. It's, it's just, I mean, come on. Like, know your, know your competition. Know who's on third. You can't lollygag a toss back and walk back with your head down and, oh, man, we're giving up all the... Dude, <laughs> you know he's going to take it. Like, it's just fantastic. And I like you said, great great for baseball. Happy for, you know, Cincinnati um, getting this. It's the... It's, it's <laughs> the speed they thought they were getting with... Or the speed they were getting with Billy Hamilton, except this guy can actually get on base, too. <laughs> How do you... This is... I, Obviously, it's because you're the Brewers, but how do you just ignore the fact that he's on the bases? I well, it wasn't the fact that he'd stolen the other two bases the dead giveaway that you should be paying attention. Yeah, thank you. How do you? Thank how do you. you. <laughs> how do you just? It's not like he hit a triple and then was just standing there and you forgot about it. Like he literally, because that's the thing. And like, like David Bat, he did it in two pitches. Mm-hmm. He, he did it in two pitches. He didn't have to do it on the third pitch. It's just laziness, laziness. It's just absolutely unacceptable. But, hey, keep on brewing there, Brew Crew. <laughs> <laughs> Baseball, you're on notice. Even if there's two outs, pay attention to Mr. Taylor Cruz if he's on the bases because he will steal that run. Wow. All right. Smith, anything else you want to add here before we get to Armstrong Empire? I think we saw two players steal home during the same week because he did it and Jose Ramirez did it yes. too. Yes, yeah. 
which was awesome. And they both did it with two outs, which was also awesome. And they both did it against a team that had just completely fallen asleep against a player who, like, you really should just never do that. Like, because both times it's like, you're not expecting it, man. Like, nobody's looking. The camera crew's not even looking at all. of a sudden, this blur comes out of the corner of the screen. And you're like, is that, is that, oh, yeah. Like, that's Ellie. He's coming. He's coming. And the Brewers just look like they got caught sleeping, which is, again, incredibly inexcusable when the same person in the same at-bat has just told, stolen the last two bases. Like, I don't know. I might be paying more attention to him than the batter at that point. Yeah. <laughs> he was probably the bigger threat. Yeah. Like, he doesn't need that batter to do anything. He's just going to come home, you idiot. <laughs> oh, Milwaukee. Oh. Why? Why? Because the, they're Milwaukee. All right. <laughs> Irby, you ready for Armstrong Empire? I am. I am. All right, let's rock and roll. All right. Well, I had a I had the scenario all played out and everything, but we just had enough fun there, so I'm going to introduce a couple of new names on here, just because this fits perfectly with what you guys were just talking about. So let's um, hypothetical. We have to do the hypothetical here, and um, don't worry, folks. No fielding box today. No fielders box today. But um. <laughs> Let's assume we're back in that series of the, the Brewers and the Reds playing. Oh, Late in the game, Mr. De La Cruz draws a walk. As the go-ahead run, he's at first. And Milwaukee, dead certain that he's going to be taking second. But this time they're paid attention, guys. So here we go. So um, <laughs> that's, that's how you know it's hypothetical. Yeah, that's how you know it's hypothetical. They're actually paying attention to him right now. So um, Bobby Milner on the mound, the left-hander. For the, uh, the the Brewers on there and expecting something uh, right off the bat, throws a pickoff over there to try and keep Ellie a little close, and then he throws a pitch out, and uh, nothing there doesn't go. On the next attempt, throws the pickoff over to first, and before getting to the glove, the ball actually collides off of Ellie De La Cruz's hand and rolls right off into the dugout. Ayla Cruz pops up. Umpire says, take your two bases. Heads over to second. Heads over to third. Paying attention this time in the hypothetical. The Brewers get all upset saying, no, he doesn't get two bases. He gets one base. How many bases does he get? Hmm. You know, uh, Samantha, I'll be honest. I don't know this rule. Because obviously something's different because it went off the player. Well, I have a question. Are we using the new rules? Are we saying that he gets second because of the new rules that say if you throw over? This was the second attempt throw over. Okay. So this just feels like something we're just not going to know if there's a rule specific to it. Because it seems to me that obviously... He gets a base, right. right? Because you're not telling us anything that indicates that this is interference on the right. part of the base runner. So we're assuming he is moving up in some capacity. So mm-hmm. I can't for like me understand why he would get to move up two bases. Because it, it went into the camera well. So you're awarding an extra base because it went in the camera well. Right. Because if, if, if you... Over- but it's not a live ball. So... Right. 
That, that, that's what like I'm saying. Not, I don't it's know. not a hit, so it's not a ground rule double. So the question becomes, does it act like a ground rule double in the sense that because it left the field of play, you get two bases? Or because it was a throwover, are we just taking, are we just giving him the one base and it's a dead ball? That, that, that's where we're at, that's right? What, that's that's where we're, the yeah. question we're asking? Yeah, that's where okay. we're at. So, I mean, I don't know. Like, we're just going to be guessing because we don't know what the rule is. Right. Now, so see, what's our best guess? <laughs> it's, it's, it's the fact that it went off the, the runner. Right, like it wasn't. It, 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 he throws over. It goes off the runner and then into the camera. Well, if there's a rule where if it goes off the runner, then it's only one base. Then you know, right? Or it's dead because it hits or the it's runner. Dead because it hits the or, runner. Yeah. Right. Like because we're not even sure is the question really about the fact that it hit the runner or the fact that it landed in the camera well and the fact that it did both. Does that change anything? You know. So because you're saying like, okay, basically, like let's say he threw over. And just completely airmailed it and threw it into the dugout. You would only get one base for that, right? So I'm not sure why you would get two because it hit him. Because if anything, that would imply a less terrible throw, right? Than one you just <laughs> sailed into the dugout. <laughs> less terrible. I like that. <laughs> but, 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 like at least you hit the guy and did you hit you know, something the here? Cooler in the dugout. I mean. <laughs> So, but I mean, but I don't know if it's really even working that way, but like, if we think about it, like within like the spirit of the rule in terms of like, I, I don't know. I can't like wrap my brain around why on earth you would get two bases for I this. Either, yeah. I, I, mm. But I don't know, you know, presumably by the time they picked it out of the dugout, would he be on third? That's very dependent on who the runner is. Like, could Ellie De La Cruz be on third? Yes. Yes, and he is the person in question. But like, could Alejandro Kirk be on third? No. So <laughs> the rules got to be the same no matter what, right? So it's like, well, would yes. it most likely be nothing to do with the specific runner, and just theoretically, would the person end up at third if this happened? Poor bowling. I mean, if it was Sean Casey at first, like, no, you don't get any bases. You just yeah, yeah you just have to stay there because you're. <laughs> <laughs> If it was the Molina brother, they'd have to go back and, and go back to the plate and hit their hit over again. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta go hit again. <laughs> got negative it actually bases. goes in reverse. <laughs> well, you know, I I think it's one base two, Samantha. But I've got a I've got a I've got a sinking feeling. We're about to find out. There's addendum ZZ to the pickoff rule. Well, and I'm also wondering about just the fact that it went into the dugout, like. The pitcher made the mistake, right? Because he hit the runner. He made a mistake. It was a bad throw no matter what, mm -hmm. right? So yeah. the way that these have tended to go is that they're punishing you to the full extent they can punish you so that they're not inadvertently punishing the team that didn't do anything wrong and potentially taking something back from them, you know, which is what makes me wonder if he really does get two bags because who's to say he wouldn't get there? There's no guarantee that he would, right. but he could, and the mistake was all the pitchers, since we have decided that there is no runner's interference on this. So that's what makes me wonder. But I feel like I'm flipping a coin here because there's a good argument either way. Like, there's a very good argument from, like, just a baseball logic standpoint from both perspectives. So, like, I guess we just kind of are coin flipping on this, right? Unless you feel stronger about one than the other. If you do, I'll leave it up to you because right now I'm like, I don't know. There's a really good argument for both. <laughs> you know, I, I, I think I, my gut tells me one base and not two. 
Just, okay. Just because because right. I, I, I agree with you. Like, there's there's no reason, no logical reason to give two bases there. None. Yeah, it just seems crazy to me to, yeah. to give a person a second base under those circumstances. Although I can I can follow the baseball logic on it too. But okay, so all right, we'll we'll go with one base then. All right, Irving. Right, Irving, tell us why we're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no, you guys did very well. You did very well. You didn't fall. You you. Though you wanted to, you wanted to fall for that trap of it hitting the runner, and it does not matter. Does not matter if it hits that runner first, if it hits the glove of the fielder, if it just, like you said, a a not so great throw, Svetha, and it just airmails everything. None of that matters. But this comes down to, and actually in this situation, the way I set it up for you, you guys are correct. He gets one base. What comes down to it. And this is where, and boy, this scares me with some of our umpires out there. Uh-oh. It has to do with what the pitcher did. If he is throwing from the, the rubber, section 7.05H states that throwing from the rubber, you one base is allowed. If the pitcher steps off the rubber and makes the throw over to first, section 8.01E he is awarded two bases. So this completely has to do with the engagement of the pitcher. Pitcher is throwing from the rubber. He is still considered a pitcher, and it is a one-base awardment. But if he steps off the rubber and then makes the throw, he is considered a fielder. And like any other play, when you throw from the field and it goes into the dugout or goes out of play, it's two bases. Who the hell comes up with these rules? I mean, but it does kind of make sense, right? Like, if you step off the mound, you become an infielder. (laughs) And a typical, like, and and if you follow that, if an infielder throws the ball into the dugout, that is a two-base error. So that that actually does make sense. I know it makes sense. I mean, we came at it the wrong way, but, like, I mean, (laughs) I got that right, even though we didn't actually know what we were talking about. But I'll take it. I mean, we've gotten two wrong in a row, so I I will take this. Hey, you got it right. You just didn't get there properly. I'll take it. Jeez, like I, you know, <laughs> when I asked who the hell came, I, I want to know the, the, the brainchild who sat there and actually thought up that scenario and and spliced it in such a very particular way. Lord, well, I, I, we talked about this last week. Like that's what you got to love about baseball. That's <laughs> what you got to love about is is that they go through that. They come up with crap like the fielder's box. They, they, they go through the meticulous because this was you guys are right like like I, I this could have been presented very differently where I talk about he steps off the rubber and makes the throw and it hits the hits the runner and bounces in then I'm kind of deliberately trying to lead you guys astray but they want to do that like the whole point of this is to understand behind the ruling and Samantha you're right it's when you think about it when you break it down and it, this is what's beautiful about baseball is so many things happening boom 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 but slow it down. And think about it. You've disengaged off the rubber. You're a fielder. You are now a fielder. You are under fielder's rules. But on the rubber, you're still the pitcher. And so, yeah, from that standpoint, this makes perfect sense of what they're doing. And it's the reason why I really like this one. Um, and, and, and I was excited to put this one in this week after kind of giving you guys the most ridiculous one last week that you still did pretty good on that fielder's box. But um, this one, definitely a lot more realistic. And, and what also scares me about this one is is that the, the, what matters is the pitcher. 
is paying attention to what he was doing. Is he on the rubber, or off the rubber? And that is one that, if this were to play out, I, I would be very interested to see if our umpires are paying attention and what coach gets thrown out for not understanding that. Yeah, because you could review this technically, but like somebody on the field would have to understand that. So it, it would be reviewable. So somebody could go back. If, if anyone knew the rule, you would just need one person who knew the rule who had a vested interest in seeing the rule enforced and not seeing the rule swept under the rug. So it depends, I guess, which manager is paying attention. But, but you could ask to have that reviewed. Um, and then, you know, was he on the rubber or not? The, the problem comes, as you say, Irby, because it does make sense. Like, this is what's so great about baseball is that they always make sense in the end. Whatever weird-ass path you have to take to get there, and you're like, why does anyone know this? Like, who thought this up? Like, it's like, but in the end, there's a logic to it that always makes sense in, the, in a way that is very, very clear and, and very well-defined in a way that we don't always get in other sports, which is why no one knows what it catches in the NFL. Um, we have a rule for everything. But I do worry a little bit about, like, the umpiring of this, like you said, Irby, because if there's not a manager there who knows to say, I need you to take a second look at this, because <laughs> I want to know if his foot was on the mound, and, like, wait till we get into one of these where the guy is, like, on the side of the hill, and it's like, is his heel touching the rubber, or is his heel <laughs> lifted off the rubber? And then we're going to have, like, a second-base slide situation, and then everybody's getting ejected, and it's going to be chaos. But, uh, but, yeah, no, that's very cool. I, I love that. I think that's a really, really interesting demonstration of how baseball kind of always logically plays out every single scenario. And, and when you follow the path of it, it actually makes a lot of sense. Oh, man. All right. Well, <laughs> on that note. And then Ellie De La Cruz steals home after that. Oh, of course. <laughs> of course. Awarded oh, multiple bases. If it's De La Cruz. Who's going to steal the other one anyway? What yeah. difference does it make? <laughs> Actually, the Brewers, you're right. The Brewers in this situation probably would not question it. It'd be like, fine, dead ball. He's at third. He can't steal home on us. Aha. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us. We're out of here. Don't forget to smash that like button. Review the program. Give, it, give, us, give us that subscription. Help us out with that algorithm. So we can get some more lollygaggers involved. Until next week. Watch some baseball. It's good for you. Who you going to